Hello, thank you for joining us today for the Harvest Time Church weekly podcast. As you listen today, we pray that you are richly blessed and that the message would guide you deeper into your walk with Jesus and help you to advance his kingdom here on earth. Have a blessed day. Oh, Jesus. You guys are too gracious. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Isn't God awesome? Thank you, Jesus. Listen, would you... uh, Hallelujah. She's going to put it up right now, I bet. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Listen, I'm trying something new. I don't have a, I've always been in control of my slides. So I'm trusting the trustworthy sound booth. Hallelujah. So if there's any confusion in the house, it's not me. Stand to your feet. We're going to make some declarations. Proverbs says that death and life are in the power of your tongue. What you say sets the course not only for your day, but for your lifetime. We're going to talk about that in a few moments. All right, let's make some declarations. Secondly, go ahead. Stay up. Ah, a good girl, amen. My question today in living life is, are you living a life as a victor or a victim? So go ahead. Gosh, I can't read that. <laughs> victor. A person who defeats an enemy or opponent in a battle, game, or other competition. Now think about it. Where a victim is a person harmed, injured, or killed as a result of a crime, accident, or other event or action. Now listen. A person who is tricked or duped. The I makes the difference. Do you see that? The difference between victor and victim is I. I want you to leave here today clearly understanding that you are a major contributor to where you're going in this life. We need to understand that because we live in a life and in a society where no one likes to take the blame for what they experience. It's always, I don't know where our young adults and our children have received that kind of information, but it's always somebody else's fault. I want you to leave here not burdened down I want you to leave here lifted up aware that God has prepared you as an individual, a part of the kingdom of God, to give direction to your destiny by the words of your mouth. We'll talk more about it in a little bit. Now let's declare some things. The circumstances of my life do not define who I am. Say that with me. The circumstances of my life do not define who I am. Go ahead with the next one, hon. Move quickly. The way I look does not define who I am. Go ahead. The color of my skin does not define who I am. I would say to you today, do not buy into the lie that because of your skin you are less than or the problem with the world we live in. Listen, it's not a black problem. It's not a white problem. It's not a Hispanic problem. The color of your skin does not define who you are. Sin is the problem in the world. It is refusal to receive the promises of God. 
It is a refusal on the part of man to be obedient to what he knows in his heart is so. Go ahead. The opinions of men do not define who I am. The things I own do not define who I am. The Word of God defines who I am. The Word of God defines who I am. Quickly. You must settle it. You must settle it today. I was talking with a friend. Go to the next slide, please. I was talking with a friend yesterday and the day before who has a friend that's in business in Houston, Texas. They had a meeting of their corporate group, and this is what they told their employees. The next two months, things will get worse. And you think, dear God, how can they get worse? Gas is $4 a gallon. Diesel is $5 a gallon. Taxes are going up. Groceries are going up. Can it get worse? Yes, it can get worse. You need to settle it today that God defines your life. He is not only a song we sing in church. He is the provider in this life. Go ahead quickly. You have to say, I want you to, I want to change this. I want you to read this with me. I have to say what the word of God says I have. Say it again. I have to say what the word of God says I have. I have to say, and the word of God provides us in that. Go ahead. You can do what the Word of God says you can do. Say it. I can do what the Word of God says I can do. Go ahead quickly. You are who the Word of God says you are. I am. I am who the Word of God says that I am. Quickly, go ahead. I am who the Word of God says I am. Go ahead quickly. All right. Now let's pray before we start in this. Amen. Father, not much going to happen today. If you don't do something. Father, I learned a long time ago that anything I can talk somebody into, somebody else can talk them out of. But I've also learned, Father, that when you touch a man's heart, when you touch a woman's heart, when you touch a child's heart, they are forever, ever changed. And so, Father, today, would you... Touch every heart in this place. Cause us to triumph in this life because that's your goal and plan for your children to be more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Be seated. Hallelujah. Let's talk about living life. Two weeks ago, Pastor Noe preached an awesome sermon on the family. It was a wonderful. He did. Listen, he outdid himself the last three Sundays. And uh, I mean, he may not be very good looking, but the but the boy's learning how to preach. I'll tell you for sure. I thank God for Pastor Noe. My one prayer when I was lead pastor here was, Lord, let it last longer than me. Amen. And thank God it's been going on 15 years without me. Hallelujah. Amen. Two weeks ago, he preached that message, and he talked about four mindsets that will affect or steal or harm your family. Let me read them to you. I don't need a family. That mindset warps your attitude toward your family. Secondly, he said, I only need a family when I'm young. I can tell you for sure that's a lie. Number three, God messed up when he gave me my family. Number four, my family is pretty messed up. I want to talk with you about two mindsets that will hinder your relationship with your spiritual family your growth as a follower of Christ, and your ability to walk and live in the victory that God 
wants you to walk in. We're going to talk about these mindsets because I have seen not only were they a part of the church in the past, but there is a resurgence in the church of these two mindsets. I call a mindset a rut in my mind that I keep falling into. Can I, can I say a mindset is a rut in your mind that you keep falling into. So you cannot give a clear understanding and have a clear understanding of a circumstance that's going on in your life because you keep falling into this mindset. You know, for instance, well, well, you know, if you were raised thinking you were no good, then every time something comes along, you fall in, well, I'm not good. No, I'm not that good. No, I can't do that. You see, that's what I'm talking about. We're going to talk about some of those kinds of things. John 10.10 says this. The thief comes except to. Now, except to means that's his only purpose. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy and Jesus said, I came that you might have life and even that abundantly. Now, let me tell you this. Either Jesus is telling you the truth or he's a liar. And if he lied about this, then he lied about every other thing. Everything he said is suspect if you don't believe this. You, you see, you cannot pick and choose what you believe. You've had, you, you need to settle it today. The Word of God is the Word of God, and it's truth. It's not dependent upon whether I agree with it, whether I understand it. It is the truth, irregardless of how I understand it at a moment. You've got to come to that place where you put your trust in the words that God has spoken to us, and then align your life to living in that. John 10.10 tells me two things. One, God has a plan. I came that you might have what? Life. Now, your mama gave you that, didn't she? You're here. This means yes. Your mama gave you life. Now this is what Jesus said he'd do. I'll make it better. I'll make it abundant. I'm not a God of lack. I'm not a God of taking away. I'm a God of adding to. God is a God of restoration. I heard restoration described this way. God, when God restores, he makes it like you had never experienced the hurt. God has a plan, and listen, here's the second thing I get out of John 10, 10. We have an enemy. Now, you listen to the world, they'll foo-foo that devil thing. But I'll guarantee you, he's as real as the chair you're sitting in. He's as real as the person next to you. And Jesus said this, he came for one single purpose, the triune purpose of stealing, killing, and destroying. And we're going to look at some of those things this morning. Now let's talk about mindsets. Pastor Noy loves that word intentional. It's a good word. How many of you understand that if you're going to grow spiritually, you're not going to do it accidentally? You're not just going to stumble into spiritual maturity? If you're looking for an abundant life, you're not going to find it sitting on your duff. Abundant life comes as a result of not only believing what God has said, but doing what God has said. See, you, you, can, you can give mental assent to it. You can say, oh, yeah, I believe that. But if your heart doesn't believe that, then you're not going to get there. 
And the thing that keeps what you think in your mind and believe in your heart from happening is that mindset. It's that rut you keep falling into. It's the, yeah, I know God's word says that he's a healer, but, but you remember that godly deacon at church and how, how, how they suffered and, and died? And well, maybe God doesn't want to. See, that's a mindset you fall in. The thing that you have to determine is if God said I am, then I am. If God said he does, he does. You, you just have to settle that issue. It's a faith thing. It's trusting in what the Word of God said, but it's trusting in the character of who God is. See, God is for me. God's not against me. How do I know that? Because His Word told me that so. Now let's look at this thing about a mindset. A mindset is the established set of attitudes held by someone. It's our convictions the things we're convinced of are default thinking. That's what a mindset is. You, you know, I, I can say to you, red fire truck. Think about a red fire truck. And every one of you have a different picture of a red fire truck. But that's connected to something. It's connected to something that's there. You are so wonderfully and complex that you and I can't even understand how we are, how we're made, our thinking. But I want you to know this. We've got to settle the issue, folks. Listen, we're going to make it, and we're going to make it with a high hand. That's the Word of God. We're, we're, gonna, we're not only going to survive, we're going to thrive. I don't care who's in the White House because it's not about the White House. It, it, it's about his house. It's about him. It, it's about who God is. See, we've got to get... Let's go to, verse, go, to, go to slide 20. If I think a thing so long, if I think a thing is so, so long enough, and it is reinforced in my thinking enough, at some point it becomes so in my mind and thus a mindset is born. Let me read it again. If I think a thing is so, long enough, and it is reinforced in my thinking enough, at some point it becomes so in my mind, and thus a mindset is born. You understand that? If, if I dwell on it, if I think about it, if I look at it, if I reason it, at some point, I began to be convinced, and it's so difficult to change somebody's mind. You know, years and years and years and years ago, before Sharon and I got married, and that was years and years and years and years ago, back during the days when, you know, uh, some of you old enough to remember the days of segregation. You remember when they had separate drinking fountains and separate restrooms, and, and there was really discrimination. There's, there's no doubt about it. You cannot, you cannot in any way imagine that there wasn't discrimination. And in those years when, when, when segregation began to happen, and, and, and many of those wrong things were made right, I did a little non-official survey when I would meet someone that was adamantly I mean just had a nasty opinion about the color of people's skin I would ask them this question did a black person ever hurt you and they'd get the puzzled look and they'd say well no what, 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 did they ever take anything that wasn't theirs that belonged? Well, no. Well, then why are you so adamant against that, against those? And they'd get this puzzled look, and they didn't know. I'll tell you why. Because they grew up with somebody that reinforced that, in their mind. It wasn't because they experienced something. 
See, that's a mindset. That's when we have a conviction that we have no evidence or no basis for. And that's true in many, many. You know, some people are, are still that way, irregardless of the truth. And we know it's the truth. Our founding fathers declared it was the truth that all men are created equal. Even they had sense enough to understand that it wasn't the color of the skin that made the character of the person. It was the choices that they made in their life. Now, this is going to surprise you, and I, and I know you thinkers are going to question me, but be nice. There's only two ways that a mindset develops. It's simple. What you see, your eye gate, and what you hear, your ear gate. That's the only way that a mindset you see, it comes back to what, what, I, what I had said before. If I think a thing is so long enough and it is reinforced, if I hear it enough and see it enough, in my thinking at some point it becomes so and it's a mindset that's born at that moment. You, you understand that, that, that you, know, you know where we are in the world didn't just happen. Do, 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 do you, people that think that somehow because you have more money than I have, then you need to share that with me. Where, where did they get that? Oh, God gave up. No, God didn't give no revelation. They got it because they listened to somebody that said it's not fair for that person to be rich and you to be poor. So we're going to equalize the wealth. That's not what the Word of God says. The Word of God says there is a reward for those that labor. And there is a problem of lack for those that refuse to work. That's the Word of God. That's the truth. We're going to talk next week out of 2 John. 2 John is a short letter that the aged apostle had written to, I believe, a church. And he talks about the things that he's happy with, and he talks about the things he's concerned about. We're going to look at that next week. So two mindsets that we're going to talk about this morning. Now, the first one is this. First, everything that happens in some way is the will of God. That's a mindset. Secondly, we're going to look at, I should embrace, accept, welcome every circumstance or adversity that comes my way because somehow, some way, God is working it for my good and I will be better, stronger because of it. And then they quote out of the book of Romans, Romans 8, 28. Is everything that happens the will of God? Now, most of you know my sister, wonderful, wonderful, older sister. I always reminded her she was older. I felt it my obligation because, you know, old people get forgetful. So I'd remind her most every time I saw her that she was my older sister with emphasis. She moved to heaven back in February after having a surgery I'm not saying the surgery moved her to heaven but shortly after the surgery to repair a heart valve she moved on up to heaven she was a strong wonderful wonderful lady a faithful follower of Jesus Christ for many years I sat with her shortly before she had this surgery discussing 
this impending heart valve surgery, and she made this statement to me in no uncertain terms, and I'd heard her make it many times. She said, at least we know that whatever happens, it's God's will. Now, that's a very typical response for people of our generation. I believe it was birthed out of a genuine desire concerning the sovereignty of God, that God is all-knowing, all-powerful, all, you know, the omnis. Now, I, I didn't say anything to her, even though I disagreed with that, because I've lived life long enough to see that everything that happens is not the will of God. And we need, to, we need to fill in that rut in your mind because many times it is nothing other than an excuse to justify the consequences for our disobedience. In other words, we do something wrong, something bad happens, and we say, oh, well, it's the will of God. No, 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 no. There is consequence. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever man soweth, thus shall he reap. Whatever you plant comes up, that, that, that's, the, that's the truth of the Word of God. And if it wasn't for the blood of Jesus and the grace and the mercy of Jesus, all of us would be in trouble. But thank God that God in His wisdom sent His Son Jesus and said, I'm going to take the sin of mankind, the rebellion of mankind, the wrongdoing of mankind, all the ungodliness of mankind, all the selfishness of mankind, and I'm going to lay it upon the back of my son Jesus, and he's going to shed his blood, and it's going to wipe the sins away. And anybody that would believe that is made righteous, not by virtue of the fact that they are righteous, but they Believe what Jesus has done on the cross. That's what being saved is. It's becoming the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. It's not turning over a new leaf. Now this is a long debated project, uh, uh, problem or, or, or question with many, many people. You see, it deals with the free will of man and the sovereignty of God. And I was meditating on that, and, and you know, the, the, the Lord said to me that he was omniscient, that's all-knowing, he is omniscient in his knowing, in other words, he knows everything, but he is righteous in his doing. See, he never does anything unrighteous. He never judges wrongly. He, he never misses the mark. Even though he knows you and I miss the mark, he never misses the mark. Nor does he excuse it and say, oh, well, that doesn't matter because Jim missed the mark. I'm going to share you a verse that I have never in all of my life saw in the way that I saw it this week. I'll share it with you a little bit when we get to it. To me, the sovereignty of God is settled in two simple verses. Slide 26 says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us. Now listen to these next words. Not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. It is the will of God that all men come to repentance. That none perish apart from the grace of God in Jesus Christ. That's God's will. God has not caused people to be born to send them to hell. He's not caused people to be born to send them to heaven. 
Everybody that has ever been born unto woman, God's heart was that they come to know him in the forgiveness of their sin. That's his will. That's what he desires. That's what he wants. Romans tells us there's no excuse for a man not coming to Christ, for a person. You can't blame it on anybody else. It's nobody else's fault if you enter eternity without Christ Jesus. There'll be no room for you to make excuses when the end day comes. Because God did not make you, cause you to be born, give you life, sustain that life for you to perish without Christ Jesus. He never intended that. That was not his will. How do I know that? Because the word of God tells me that. But look at Matthew 7, 13 says, Enter ye in the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. Now notice the next words, And many there be which go in thereat. That word many, if you look it up and study it a little bit, it means majority. Because straight is the gate, and there is the way that leadeth unto life. Hear it now, and few there are that find it. Well, I just can't believe God would send somebody to hell. He's not. I'm telling you, he doesn't. You're absolutely right. God doesn't send anybody to hell. God, God, God doesn't. He's not, that's not who he is. That's not what he's about. That's not his will. What is the will of God that all men should come to repentance? See, there's no excuse. Hear me now. You're mad at God because your mama died. You're mad at God because your baby died. You're mad at God because you went broke. You're mad at God because your marriage ended up. Listen, God's for you. He's who you need. The world, I said on that slide, the world's lied to us. Jesus is who we need. Jesus is the answer. That's not just a cliche. Jesus is who we need. Thank God for good churches. Thank God for good preaching. Thank God for, but I'm telling you, Jesus is the answer. He's who you need. He is, he is the answer to your problem. It's not your husband. It's not who you were born into. It's Jesus is the answer. Now notice this next verse. Romans 1.20 says, For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, speaking of God's invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made. Now listen, so they are without excuse. Listen to this. God is so awesome that when he made this world, He said, I'm going to make it so when people look at the sunset, they're going to think about God. When they look at the sunrise, they're going to, when they look at the surf, when they look at the newborn baby. But you see, the world has lied to us and stolen that away from us. The, 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 the nature, the, the, those nature worshipers, uh, the tree huggers, they, they, have, they have made the beauty of God something that it's not. It's not to be worshipped. It's an arrow that points to who's to be worshipped. The sunset is not to be worshipped. The tree's not to be worshipped. God is to be worshipped. He said, and there's something on the inside of every one of you, whether you acknowledge or refuse to acknowledge, there's something on the inside of every one of you that knows that's the truth. How do I know that? The Word of God says so. He said, I put it in there. I put it in there when they were formed in their mother's womb. Wow. I can't believe what's going on in our world and the people that are having a fit because they think they're not going to be able to kill babies any longer. Jesus, help me. And call it women's health? No, 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 no. That's not what God calls it. God says when somebody takes the blood of the innocent, 
I will not hold them guiltless. Mr. Physician. Oh, that's just a book of fables. You see, they know that in their heart there is a God. How do I know that? Because the Word of God tells me that. See, I have put my confidence. I'm not only counting on my daily substance for my God. I'm not only counting on making it through tomorrow. I'm not only counting on the Holy Spirit giving me the strength. I'm not only counting on God providing. I'm counting on Him for my eternity. Listen, I'm closer to dying than most of you. You need to understand all of us will. But I'm counting on this book and what it's taught me and the person who this book speaks of that someday I'm going to be. I was talking with the little girl at Sonic this morning. Y'all going to church? Yes. Said, tell God I say hello. I said, tell him yourself. <laughs> He's listening. She smiled and said, I know he is. Said, my uncle just died yesterday. Said, there's a great reunion going on between my aunt and my uncle in heaven. Whew. Let me ask you a question, please, with all sincerity. I want to ask you a question. Why do you hesitate? Why do you wait? When you stop and, and you get, can I say that, get out of the rut because the mind's convinced you otherwise, why do you wait? You, you know down in the very center of who you are that God is real. You, you know that. God said so. You can cover it up. You can, you can camouflage it with your education. You, you can use your, your SAT score. You can, you can use whatever you want to say, oh, no, God's just a fable. I don't believe that. But you know in your knower that God's real. I've been with a lot of people that died. Now, that's not negative. But I've been at this a long time, so I've been around a lot of people that died. And I've been with some that died that knew Jesus. I've been with some that died that didn't know Jesus. There's a difference. Not a little difference. But an eternity of difference. If you don't know Jesus, I pray you get out of your mindset that somehow it's not going to happen. It's going to happen. Judgment is coming. Now, you're not going to be judged whether you smoke dope or not. You're not going to be judged on whether you slept around or not. You're not going to be, you're going to be judged on what you did with Jesus. That, that's the question. What did you do with that knowing that was on the inside of you? Did you push it down or did you pursue it? Did, 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 you, did, did you look at the sunset and look at your beautiful grandbaby? Did, did you say, there's something more than what I've got? Because you know that. And if you leave here today without Jesus, your eternity is your fault. You made a choice. You chose not to believe. You cannot blame it on your circumstances you can't blame it on President Biden. You can't blame it on anybody else. It's your choice if you refuse the gift that he's given us in Christ Jesus. Now, here's the verse that, that I've never seen. 2 Corinthians, slide 29, 2 Corinthians Chapter 7, verse 10. For the sorrow, now listen to this. For the sorrow that is according to the will of God. In other words, there, there are some sorrows in the will of God. Are, are you with me? 
There's some sorrows that come from, from being in the kingdom, from, from knowing the Father, from having a personal relationship. Some, some, some problems come, but notice the difference here. For the sorrow that is according to the will of God produces a repentance without regret. See, the difference between repentance that is according to the will, uh, a sorrow that is according to the will of God is it motivates the individual toward repentance. In other words, it, it makes them aware, it makes us aware of, of we did something wrong. Oh God, I'm sorry I did that. Oh well, everybody's human, I ain't perfect. No, no, the, the will of God concerning sorrow is that it motivates, oh God, I'm sorry. Rob, I didn't mean to call you fat and ugly. You know, I'm sorry. You see, it, it, it leads us to make a, a, a choice to ch ch change. Notice, notice the rest of that verse. It says, leading to salvation, but the sorrow of the world produces death. You, you see, when, when I encounter sorrow in my life or disappointment or, or hurt or, or frustration or whatever it is in my life, the will of God is for me, for that to lead me to the place where I acknowledge my problem, but the world says, oh, no, man, you, don't you understand because your mama been married seven times, it's all right for you to be like that. If, if your daddy hadn't left you when you were an infant, then, then, then you wouldn't be like, it's, it's somebody else's fault. But you see, sorrow that leads, that's the will of God. God wants to take where you are. He wants to take your hurt. He wants to take your disappointment. He wants to lead you to a place where you say, Lord God, I'm sorry that I've not accepted you. And receive salvation. See, that's what God wants to do with your sorrow. He's not trying to beat you up. He's not trying to make you look bad. He's not trying to steal anything from you. He's trying to give something to you. He's trying to say, listen, if you'll let me, I'll turn that sorrow into joy. You know, we sing about that. He's a way maker. He makes, he makes a highway in the ocean. He makes an army out of bones. He's a way maker, and he wants to take where you are today and make a way where you can get out of your sorrow and get into what we started with, life and life abundantly. Amen. Now, you can either receive that. Now, here's the second. Let's hurry. The second mindset is, you see, the first one was, Everything that happens is the will of God. Now, this is a first cousin to the, to the first one, but it's similar but different. I hear this more in the churches today than perhaps the other one. Here it is, verse, slide 31. I should embrace, accept, welcome every circumstance or adversity that comes my way because somehow, someway, God is working it for my good and I will be better, stronger because of it. Well, I'll tell you what, it has just been one hell of a week. The washing machine broke down. I'll tell you, my car broke down. I got to buy some new tires. I'll tell you, Junior got to have braces. I'll tell you, things don't look good on the job. Well, brother, just that's the way life is. Life brings those little dis Should I embrace every circumstance and situation that comes my life? If I do, then I've got to deny the Word of God. For instance, slide 32 says, Submit therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. Now, why in the world would I want to resist if everything that comes my way is the will of God for my life? How about Ephesians 6? Finally, be strong in the Lord in the strength of his might. Pull on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand firm against the schemes. Now, why would I want to stand against the schemes if they were going to make me better? 
No, I have to discern whether this is from the devil. Just which part of John 10, 10 is this coming from? Is this part of life and life abundant or is this still kill and destroy? See, I have to make that judgment. I have to determine whether or not this thing is from God. And if it is God, then I've got to seek to get led to repentance. You know that word salvation, soteria, is akin to a, to a word shalom. Not the same word, but akin to it. And shalom is the peace that is exchanged between Jewish people often. And it means nothing missing, nothing broken. So when it is a sorrow that leads to repentance unto salvation, it's not meaning I'm going to get saved all over again. It means that my life is going to be made whole. It's going to be fixed. That, that the sorrow that I encounter in this life leads me to repentance, which the repentance then leads me to a life without the sorrow because I learn how to live and trust him. How about Romans 8.37, but in all these things we are overwhelmingly conqueror. Why do we need to be a conqueror if everything is the will of God? 2 Corinthians 10.3 says, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war. Why do we want to war against something if it's for my good? So I implore you today, quit taking it laying down. Discern whether it's from God that ought to lead you to sorrow and repentance and improve your life or discern if it's from the devil and stand against it. Rebuke it. Plead the blood of Jesus over. Stand against it. You, You see, can I use the pastor's word? Be intentional against the circumstance. In other words, make it your business not to be overwhelmed because notice this 2 Corinthians 10 5 says for we walk in the flesh we do not war according to the flesh for the weapons why do you need weapons if everything is for your good the weapons of our warfare are not flesh but are divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses Now notice this, we are destroying speculation every lofty thing raised up against the what The wisdom of our school professor. The last post on Twitter. No, the knowledge of God. Where are you going to get the knowledge of God other than the Word of God? Now notice, now notice. We are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Do you understand that, 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 please, hear me now. You, you talk about, you don't, God doesn't want you to go to heaven beat up and broken. That's not the will of God. You're not, your spirituality is not determined by how sick you are. Do you understand that? By, you see, we've got a mindset that says, that said, well, you, you know, somehow God's going to work this together for me, for my good. Well, no, now i got to buy a new washing machine. How's that going to be together for my good? Well, you know, maybe that salesman down there at the store needs somebody to witness to him. Well, it's probably not going to be you if you go in there with a broken washing machine. Your attitude's probably not going to be because this boy needs to get saved. You're going to go in there and say, how come this washing machine costs so much? Look at Matthew 28, 18 and 20 says, And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go therefore and make disciples. All authority. Why did we have any authority? Well, I'm just a poor old sinner, you know, saved by grace. Just give me a shack out back. If I just get to heaven, it's all I need. Boy, that's an insult to the word of God and to the person of God. 
Now, I'm not talking about grab it and blab it and claim it and fame it or fame it and claim it and fame it. I'm just saying to you that God has a plan for your life. And go back to John 10, 10. If you want a reference to go back to what did he say he came for? He said that you might have what? And what? And the devil came to? And it's up to you to determine what is what. Is this something that I brought on myself? Is this some kind of sorrow that, that I need to repent of? Is, is this, or is I need to stand up and say, God, in the name of Jesus. And believe it in my heart as I confess it with my mouth. Because then is when it matters. Mark 11 says that if I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart. See, that's, that's where confession went wrong years ago in the charismatic movement. And somehow, the, somehow we got to confuse that if we said it enough times, it happened. It doesn't matter how many times you say it with your mouth. If you don't believe in your heart, it's not going to happen. Because when you believe it in your heart, then what's going to happen is you're going to respond in like manner in the midst of that. The official uniform... The policeman is clothed in, gives him the visible authority to enforce the laws of the land. Years ago, I was conducting a funeral in, in Houston, and we had a police escort, two police motorcycles. And that was several years ago, but it wasn't any different than now. And so they were leading us, and they, we went down the service road, and, and they took the, the own ramp up on the Gulf Freeway. And rode in the middle of the freeway and stopped, got off of their motorcycles, and the traffic stopped. I thought I never had that much guts in my life. <laughs> Do you know what had happened if I had pulled up there and got out and stood up in the middle of the Gulf Freeway? I'd have got run over. <laughs> you know why? Because I didn't have no police uniform. I didn't have any authority. You see, what happens when you put on the armor of God, the devil sees that uniform as your authority to stand against him and say, Satan, get out of here. Leave me alone. He sees the armor. It's not, well, I'm going to put on the armor of God and I'm just going to stand here and look pretty. No. The armor of God is so that the enemy can recognize your authority. Just like the uniform the policeman puts on to, digni to show forth his authority. You take a policeman, walk in the back door and say, all right, y'all listen up. And the first question we'd ask him is, who are you? But I guarantee if he walked in here in full uniform and you heard the siren when he <laughs> drove up, then I'd listen to what he's saying. Because he had the authority. Don't embrace every circumstance. Don't embrace every circumstance. Here's that thing that the Lord said. God is omniscient in his knowing. He is righteous in his doing. He always knows everything and he always does everything rightly. Now listen, let's close with this. All right, Jim. If what you said is true and Jesus came to give me life and life abundantly, and the devil came to steal away, to kill and destroy. How do I discern the difference? How do I know if this sorrow is from God that ought to lead me to repentance? Or how do I know that this is the devil harassing me? I'm glad you ask. Because <laughs> I've got the answer. Jesus said shortly before he took off, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may be with you occasionally. No, 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 forever. That is the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. Don't you ever think you don't have an advantage over the unbeliever? Because you do, and his name is the Holy Ghost. The world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him, but you know him because he abides with you 
And Jesus said, then we'll be in you. And it happened on the day of Pentecost when the Spirit of God came and dwelt upon us and indwelled them. And you have the Holy Spirit. If you would quit quenching the Holy Spirit, you'd know whether that's of God. If you'd quit quenching the Holy Spirit, you'd know whether you need to get rid of that boy. If you'd quit quenching the Holy Spirit, you'd know what you needed to do with your life. If you'd quit quenching the Holy Spirit, you'd know what you need to do. But you see, the truth is, we don't want to hear the Holy Spirit because he's going to lead us in. No, 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 no. Understand this. I'm not sure God doesn't already have enough missionaries to Africa. He probably doesn't want to send any of us to Asia. He probably doesn't even want you to go to Detroit. But he does want you to let your light shine where you are. And you know what? It might be a little girl that you see every day at Sonic when you order a large Diet Coke and a large Coke Zero. But your light is going to shine and the Holy Spirit is going to tell you, now's the time. Now's the time. The Spirit leads us. Secondly, notice this. Well, let me read this verse out, out of this 41. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come. Remember, Jesus said to come. But when he comes, and he has come, he will what? Guide you into all confusion. You won't know what to do. Bless God, you'll be worse off. Th- no. Into all truth. For he will not speak of his own authority, But whatever he hears from the Father, he will speak to you, and he will tell you of things to come. He will glorify me. He will take what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he will take of mine and disclose. What does disclose mean? Show me. You've got the Holy Ghost. And you got the word of God, the spirit of truth. We are without excuse as to why we don't obey what God put in us when he breathed life into us. Wow. I don't know about you, but that's awesome. Jesus said, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you until you do something wrong. You mess up. Then that's a different story. No, 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 no. He didn't say that at all. He emphatically said, you are stuck with me and I am stuck with you. And together, when you walk out, you're going to walk out with our hand. And I got news for you. I'm going to do my best to keep from getting beat up by the devil until I go out. Amen. Would you join me? Now I'm going to ask you a question before we leave. We're early today. Pastor said I could preach 40 minutes. It's been Hadn't been 40 minutes because the praise team went so long. (laughs) Listen, if you go over, you always blame it on the praise team. That's what they're for. That's what y'all are for, to blame stuff on. Let me ask you this. I want you to be honest with me this morning. There's something God's calling you to do, and you know that. Would you, would you determine today to obey that prompting? Some of you in here, there's some things that God's prompting you to stop doing. You, you know, you, you do it or you say it, and, and, and you just sense that, I'll not do that. I'm going to challenge you today. Stop it in Jesus' name. Rob, 
Clarity is coming to you in the next few days. And what you've been struggling with, God is about to give you some revelation. And he said it's going to take the greatest measure of faith that you have ever exercised when you walk in obedience. But he said, don't you dare rush. Don't you try to make something happen. Because he said, I've given to you the Holy Spirit. And as you search my word, I'm going to show you secrets that you need to know in the midst of your journey. Amen. Thank you, Lord. 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 More than enough. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. There's some in here today that, that have been struggling with a spirit of fear because you've been inputting what the world's telling you. I'll be honest with you. If you watch the news regularly and you're walking upright, I admire you. You're able to endure far more than I am. Because most of it is not fake news, it's out and out lies. It's to work on a mindset to get you to think something is a certain way. Maybe not since Walter Cronkite, and you don't even have any idea who he is. Since the news media quit telling us what the news was, and they began to tell us what we need to think, they have been building mindsets in our thinking. You know what God just said? He said, I made you to think for yourself, not to be a conduit for somebody else's thoughts. Do you hear that? I made you to think for yourself, not to be a conduit for somebody else's thoughts. Find out his will and his purpose and then begin to walk in that and let the victory of God work in your life. Amen? Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Can I say to you, the best is yet to come. Do you know Jesus? Do you know Jesus? Would you be honest with yourself and with me today and say, I don't know Jesus? I don't know the Jesus you're talking about. I know church. I know not to smoke, drink, dance, cuss, and run around on my wife. But I don't know the Jesus who lives within me and guides me and directs me. Would you like to meet him today? He's real. He's absolutely real. We got a bunch of folks in this church that would love to introduce you to him and him to you. See, he already knows who you are. And he wants to show you who he is. Won't you stand to your feet? Let's pray. Now, Father, I understand that many of us in this room have mindsets that have been so ingrained in us that we have been convinced that they are truth. We have thought it to be so. We have heard it to be so. We have observed others saying it's so to the place where we believe that it's so even though it's not. So, Father, now would you let your Holy Spirit arrest us today? And lead us to that sorrow that leads to repentance unto salvation. Because we know this the world leads us to death. I pray for those that are in the valley of decision today. 
that, Father, they would today, this afternoon, this week, no later than this week, they would make a time to be by themselves with you. They would take off the mask. They would take off the facade. They would take off all of those excuses. And they would let you shine the light into the very inter-recesses of their life. And Father, lead them unto salvation, to healing, to victory. Because you said that greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. And we thank you for the word of God, for the Holy Ghost. Thank you for men and women who love you, who help us walk this walk. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us for the Harvest Time Church podcast. We hope you've been encouraged and empowered. If you'd like more information about our family, please write us at 42 FM 2540 South, Bay City, Texas 77414. Or check us out on the web at harvesttimebaycity.com.